0: Control Structure episode 81 from March 7th, 2015. Big week to everyone listening. This show does have notes. Visit the nexus.tv/cs81 to see them. I am your host Andrew Bailey and with me today is Stephen Orvis. Hi Steve. Hi Andrew. Well, it seems like we've done this before.
1: Yes, we have been doing quite a few podcasts.
0: Yes, uh, not only are we doing it on a Saturday, it's still pretty cold, like it's winter out there, and uh, yeah, we've been mostly uh, stuck inside, you've been working overtime, you've been uh, working from home a lot, which actually seems to be your job now.
1: Yeah, I I, I am pretty much an official uh, remote employee, just an occasional in the office.
0: Yeah, um, let's see. Yeah, I'm thinking about my job. We used to uh, have someone like that, but now he's working for the other company that's sort of uh, cohabitating our office. This is the other company that's really owned by the same people, so it's kind of the same company, as another company? Something like that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. uh, So Thursday, it went all crappy, uh, because Wednesday, it got above freezing, so everything started to melt good, but then Thursday uh, morning came, and it froze all over. I almost slipped and fell on my butt, so I'm like, yeah, I'm working from home today.
1: Yeah, that ice is pretty nasty. So,
0: Uh, let's see. So yeah, I pretty much stayed inside all day Thursday. Um... And then, let's see, uh, what else happened earlier this week? Um, Apparently, a thing called the Game Developers Conference happened, and we'll be talking about that more later. Uh, Lots of exciting stuff happened out of that. Um, So, let's see. Um, Oh, yeah, and I believe I've been mentioning that Chris has been coming over. Uh, Lately, we've been playing Portal, like a whole bunch of Portal. Um, So, uh, he's finally... Uh, let's see, I think it was, like, sometime last week that he, uh, finished the, uh, single player, or uh, rather the entirety of the first game, and, uh, he's played through probably a third of the single player of Portal 2. So you guys playing co-op or just a single? Uh, in fact, uh, we have been playing co-op a little bit also, um, so I went out and bought an Xbox 360 controller, uh, Wired, of course, um... And with that, I can uh, play co-op on the same machine uh, of Portal 2. And I've also hacked a little bit so that we can have like our own monitors, so it's not wow. split screen. That's impressive. I-, I didn't know you could actually set it up and do co-op
1: on the same screen on the PC. Well,
0: uh, I believe that's by default it's on one screen, but uh, you can uh, put it if you have multiple monitors, like one mm-hmm. view on each monitor. It's pretty cool. Raspberry? Raspberry. Raspberry? Raspberry! Yeah, if you uh, haven't noticed, uh, oh, how many months ago that it's been that uh, Microsoft has decided to open source .NET, like their own runtime, along with uh, ASP.NET, which actually came uh, even a little bit earlier. But uh, our favorite, Scott Hanselman, uh, both our uh, ASP.NET enthusiast and Raspberry Pi enthusiast, and apparently a 3D printer enthusiast, um, he has uh, got a beta uh, version of ASP.NET Beta 3, or at least ASP.NET 5 Beta 3, and uh, got it to run on a Raspberry Pi 2. So you know, pretty much details the steps, so, and you know, of course, disclaimer: this is like pre-release software.
1: One thing I noticed: it looked like he was actually using Mono develop down at the to actually run the code. He wasn't use, making use of the open-source .NET. Is that is that what he was doing? Or that's what it seemed like.
0: Uh, I'm not sure, you know, because it's mostly command prompts and building things. Uh, seems like, but uh, yeah. It's great that, uh, you know... There's a place in there I saw, Mono. Uh, I think he, like, mentioned that somewhere. Like, you have to switch. Uh, build Mono from Source. Slow and advanced yeah. and questionable value. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I mentioned this during the Fringe, but, uh, you know, like I remember, uh, you know, that Java was originally supposed to be a sort of write-once-run-anywhere type of deal. But uh, it sort of, you know, wasn't exactly like that. Um, but then .NET came along, and it was only for Windows. And, like, Microsoft really didn't care about running it anywhere else. And it's sort of interesting how it grew from that. That, you know, it wasn't a, hey, we're going to be e- everywhere. Uh, But Microsoft sort of, you know, got to that point.
1: Yeah. Microsoft really, overall, I don't think they want people to be able to run it in other places, but I think it's their hands kind of forced in that they don't have any choice. People run Linux, and it's going to happen. But I think really the mobile phones is more so what's forcing them. People, A lot of people have the Android phones, and they just have to accept that. A lot of people have Apple's, and so that's the majority of the, the market. And so I think that more than anything may have pushed them to support more operating systems.
0: Yep um well not just support more operating systems like they decided to open source it all so you know with that you know hey i can fork you and go anywhere i want mm-hmm. plus the whole thing of putting it up on github
1: just has a whole element to it that puts them in with the crowd of the it, it, it distinguishes distinguishes them distinguishes them from doing it the microsoft way versus being more open source more free more
0: it just I, I don't know. It was a really nice touch of them putting it up on GitHub. Yeah, up. like they they realized that you know they're not selling a product; they're selling an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So because there's other sites they could have put it on. They have, uh, I think,
1: SourceForge yeah. is that the one that's associated with them? And
0: what, there's a Codeplex too, I think. Oh, well, I think Codeplex is their own. SourceForge is like the old, crusty thing. Okay, that, so it's that apparently, uh, you know, like seven years ago, people were really wanting to get away from. So so there are other options that they could have used, but they chose github which I think was a good a good thing so anyway uh speaking about Linux uh, version 4.0 is coming uh, and uh, like I'm not sure exactly when it came in but uh, I remember like a couple weeks ago that Linus uh, like actually asked people you know should we do like kernel three point twenty one or something or should we go to directly to four? And a lot of people were just like, yeah, let's go, just go to four. Other people were like, yeah, well, you know, since we're incrementing the major version number, won't we have some sort of, like, big change? Maybe backwards <laughs> incompatible or something? Uh, but uh, it looks like uh, Linux 4.0 is coming out, and it's legit because it's coming with the ability to upgrade the kernel without rebooting. That is huge. Yes, this is called live patching. And that, that's.
1: So It's like, you you think of Windows, it's just always a constant thing with uh, Windows, you have to rebo- reboot your computer every few weeks, you have to reboot it, and in the article they had uh, mentioned how Linux servers can run for a long time, this means you could basically leave your Linux server up, you build it, you set it up, you turn it on, and you could never turn it off until the day it dies.
0: Yeah, and... uh or, like, you need some sort of hardware modification that requires yeah. booting, uh, shutting down. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, at least, like, high-end server hardware, uh, like, can, can support hot swapping CPUs and memory. Which wow. Is- so
1: it, it could literally stay up forever, pretty much.
0: Um, so I, I recall this being, like, a feature of some product. Uh, like a long time ago, and it actually mentions this here, KSplice in 2009. Uh, program compares the original and patched kernels and uses a customized module to patch new code into a running kernel. Um, uh, apparently Oracle, uh, like that big company, uh acquired them in 2011, and now they've just, you know, uh, added this to the kernel. So, you know, it, you know has to say this you know this this is you know especially important for a company like Oracle uh because you know you have like databases and other you know really important big iron type systems that you know kind of need to be running all the time
1: that's a good point for the databases it makes it important it said in the article their approach that it really didn't have any downtime it is. What was I forget the two companies uh, that worked on it? Uh Was it Suzy was the one? I'm probably not pronouncing the name right. Yeah. And Susan, there was another Red Hat? company. Red Hat. Red Hat. It, it said the one approach. It said it would take a few minutes for the hot swap to happen, but that the your service interruption that wasn't even there it says can take. There you yeah. go. It says K patch can take from one to forty milliseconds, while a G graft might K-graft. take several minutes. Yeah. But K graft. Oh, K graph, graph, okay, but uh, there's never even a millisecond of downtime, so it 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 doesn't even like have any impact on your on your server in theory. It's more of a
0: immediate versus eventually,
1: which I think you know a few minutes is very, very, very reasonable. Yeah, considering this is a kernel patch, this doesn't happen every day, Uh and so you can wait a couple of minutes for it to happen. It's not like it's happening because it's slow. It's happening because you're using the thing. Yeah, like doing a brain wipe on someone while they're doing something really reprogramming
0: well i I, i'm not sure you know like a brain transplant but like you know how should i say this like having a heart transplant without like sedating the person while they're running a marathon yes (laughs) here'd be fine we just unplug this tube and plug this one in Oh, you're using that one? Well, wait just a second. It's like, okay, we have two options here. Number one, you can just, uh like, stop on the side of the road for, like, a minute or so. Or we can, like, have a truck run beside you. It'll take a little longer.
1: <laughs> Cut you open.
0: <laughs> just keep going. You're fine. So, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a very interesting uh <laughs> metaphor there. Yes. So, a while back, uh, we had been uh, talking about Lenovo and uh, Superfish, um, about this uh, really questionable uh, man-in-the-middle attack that uh, pretty much comes standard with, uh, you know, like the install factory image on uh, Lenovo uh, computers, and it turns out they uh, are being sued over it. So, a proposed class action lawsuit uh, filed late last week, and this was, I think, of last week. Um... Uh, which charges both companies, uh, Lenovo and Superfish, with fraudulent business practices and of making Lenovo PCs vulnerable to malware and malicious attacks by preloading the the adware.
1: It was in... What was it? Oh, there was a the nice article. I, I was going to mention the the 250K that... Uh, yeah, let, we can go ahead and they, talk about that too. They, they get off for that. So, that. so that was their whole motivi- motivation, was the 250K that they supposedly got for it. Yeah, like for installing it.
0: Yeah, uh, Forbes apparently is reporting that Lenovo made only two hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the deal to pre-install Superfish.
1: So does that mean that they were selling their computers at cost or something, and then they just installed the software? That was essentially their profit.
0: Because uh, pretty much, you know, the uh, you know PCs are essentially commodities. Um, so you know, the lower the better. Uh, but that seems a very paltry amount of money to throw all of your users under the bus.
1: Yes. Now, or, or is is Lenovo? Lenovo is the biggest manufacturer of computers, aren't they? Yes. Okay. So I was gonna say maybe they're trying to get more market share, but that that's not a good argument at all. Yeah. Um. You have a reputation if you're the biggest manufacturer of computers. You have a very important reputation. And that mars the reputation in a bad way. So, yeah, I would agree. That's a very small amount of money to risk having your reputation yeah, on Yeah. And,
0: and just to be clear, uh, super fish is spelled with an F, you know, like the things in the water. Uh huh. And not PH not and not PH, like, you know, I'm trying to get you to disclose the password or something. Not, not that kind of fish. So, uh, we mentioned, uh, last time about uh, an important FCC meeting. And, uh, I, I watched this, like I stayed, uh, at, at my, uh, computer to watch the live stream of this, and I didn't even have lunch. Um, so the FCC, uh, has voted to preempt state laws that impede local municipal fiber builds from expanding under the justification of removing barriers to timely internet deployment. So. Like this, I believe this was in response to a petition from, I think it was like Chattanooga power or something, uh, in Tennessee. And I think like maybe another, uh, municipal build in North Carolina that both of these states have passed laws, like essentially making it really, really hard for, uh, uh, for, you know, companies and especially, uh, specifically the uh, power companies that, uh, that are owned by the cities, uh, to you know expand fiber. Um, so the, let's see. the power companies or the the the, the so, voice companies. So the problem is is that the city owns the local power company, and the power company is the one doing the builds. Um, at least at least that's the way it is in uh, Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga oh, oh, so anyway. The, so the
1: power company is making like the the the, the like the poles and such. And yes. But then they're building the infrastructure off of the poles, so the, cu- the power company isn't putting up the
0: poles where they need them. Is that the? Um, I believe that they deployed uh, like monitoring to all of their meters using fiber optics, and then they realized, oh, we could shove really fast internet over these too. Oh, see, I've heard of that. The the
1: power over, not power, the uh, the the networking over. Your power line, and you can buy, like, home home networking things that you plug them into your wall, and then Uh your home is networked, then through your your electric lines.
0: Yeah, that was, like, supposed to be the great big uh, promise, like, ten years ago, uh, at least, like, on a large scale. uh, But that didn't really work out. wonder why it didn't. Um, I recall that there was, like, uh, it would cause interference with uh, ham radios. Oh, (laughs) okay. And, Gotta keep those people happy. And I'm not sure if there is like some politics involved, uh, because like the, those said state laws were essentially written by AT and T and Time Warner. So like they're they're like, hey, we wrote this law. Um, let's uh, you know quote bribe or rather donate to the uh, campaigns of like all these you know local congressmen and like to have them introduce this bill
1: essentially they were just helping make the monopoly stay put by using the government to make it stay a monopoly.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, So the other big thing is that Tom Wheeler, you know, the uh, chairman, Tom Wheeler has proven that he is not a dingo. Uh, the FCC has reclassified Internet Services Title II uh, under the justification that, in- that the Internet is a telecommunications technology. So... This is really sensible approach, you know, because, you know, the internet has, you know, effectively replaced a lot of the telephone uh, system and, you know, even, you know, like broadcast TV as well. So it's, it's really sensible to, you know, treat this as what it's being used as.
1: Yeah. I I, th- I think that is very, fair because it is, it's not
0: just internet. It is everything and it can be everything. Yes. Um, so, you know, this, you know, the internet is not a, you know, experimental thing anymore. It's, <laughs> it's really critical infrastructure. You know, like if the internet went down for like a few weeks in a place, you know, that would really impact the economy.
1: So from a a technical standpoint, what is this, this reclassification from the FCC? What does this
0: practically mean? It practically means that Things stay the same as they are um so the point of this was to enact rules you know essentially net neutrality rules that's you know anyone can connect to the network with anything that they want and the network has to treat their data the same as everyone else's so under this can like say netflix not have to pay pay their bribe anymore and still get their uh uh, and what they need in theory uh, but Netflix would have to file a petition with the FCC in order for them to look at it. Um, so, you know, that, that was my, uh, next note there. You know, I noticed that the biggest voices against this were the companies that have been caught tampering with internet traffic in the past. Uh, for instance, Comcast back in like 2008 or so, uh, was caught, uh, like slowing down BitTorrent traffic. Um, then it was just a couple months ago that Verizon was, uh, caught inserting some extra HTTP header in, I think, mobile web, uh, mobile web requests. So... It was doing what? So, was- like, eight, he, it was inserting some sort of HTTP header uh-huh. in, like, every web request that came across their, uh, mobile network. And this was, like, supposedly, <laughs> uh, like, uh, like an advertising or tracking cookie or thing, something interesting and you know verizon claimed that users could opt out uh like on their website but it still inserted the header anyway (laughs) public is they figure no one's going to actually find the opt-out for it and know how to test it so you know thereby you know actually tracking someone you know across the network um let's see and i'm not sure um you know at&t is just plain evil um and then I'm not sure if Time Warner has been caught doing anything. they probably have. I just can't remember it um so like I guess like what these companies what the big companies are really uh you know like crying about is that they cannot do this anymore. <laughs> they have to leave the traffic well enough alone um which is a very good thing that they have to leave it alone you know yeah it's
1: it's it's, it's gonna become more and more important that the traffic's not limited. Because, you know, YouTube's big already and Netflix is big already. But there's
0: going to be a lot more services. I'd actually argue that Netflix is bigger than YouTube, at least in terms of traffic. Probably because your Netflix is going to be more high
1: quality video. I think you're probably right on that one.
0: Yeah. Uh, Plus, you know, everyone's complaining that uh, uh, YouTube is slow. This is true. That's a really good
1: point with YouTube being slow. Maybe that was... I wonder if uh, YouTube has had to do any, Google has had to do any deals like they did with Netflix slash if they've been asked to and they said, we don't care. And if uh, that's why it's more slow.
0: Um, Not that I'm aware of, uh, but I recall, I believe it was like the CEO of AT&T, like back 10 years ago or so, like he was like complaining that Google essentially got a free ride on his network, you know, like, hmm. you know, they have to pay us because we are carrying their traffic. It's like, well, that would be true if you were actually, you know, if Google was your customer. Thing is, Google is not your customer. You peer with, you know, people who, you know, service Google, you know, you know, Google pays someone to take their traffic and then they forget about it. You know, that's like how the internet works. And somehow like the deals or so, you know, one network connects to another, connects to another, connects to you, you know. You know, and again, your customers are paying you to transfer traffic to and from them, too. So, yeah, you know, it's it,
1: it still is a two way thing. Like you said, both both ends have to have an ISP and both ends are paying for it. It's yeah. the inner tube parts that. Yeah.
0: And this is this is what really irks me about Netflix. You know, like Comcast, <laughs> AT&T and Verizon, you know, com, uh, you know, Netflix is not their customer. So. You know, they should not be charging Netflix anything.
1: Yeah, I, I agree because from the user's point of view that's using Netflix, if if I have Netflix and I have Comcast, I am paying Comcast X number of dollars a month for that much speed down. And so if the Netflix server can give me that much speed down, I'd better get that much speed down from Netflix. Exactly.
0: Uh, anyways, uh, let's uh, move on a little bit here t- into web browsers. Uh, specifically Internet Explorer, or rather, not the successor to Internet Explorer, uh, whatever is coming in Windows 10. Uh, apparently, Microsoft is working on some Asm.js optimizations, uh, to come to Windows 10. And this is not just the browser specifically, because, like, Microsoft is working on some sort of platform or API. That allows like native web apps to run on Windows uh, outside of a browser. So you know having a really nice uh, JavaScript engine, you know, really helps with that.
1: So it's like a native JavaScript engine.
0: Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So like ASMJS is uh was originally started by Mozilla, I think, a little over a year ago. That you know is essentially like some sort of pre-compiler optimization uh for JavaScript. So, like, I'm not sure how familiar with, you are with JavaScript, but it only has a single number type. So that could be a floating point, that could be an integer or whatever. So, like, there's some optimizations in the syntax that tells the, uh, that tells the JavaScript interpreter that, you know, essentially says that this is an integer or this is a floating point number or whatever. Like, little hints like that. So, so the, Programmer
1: puts that the syntax hints in, or that's the compiler figures it out that it should be an integer.
0: The uh, the programmer just you know writes syntax you know as as always, and okay. then runs it through some sort of like a pre compiler or something, and that what's get that's what gets puts on the uh, the web server. I see. So, so yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing there. Um, you know, especially like how JavaScript performance has increased exponentially, you know, over the past couple of years. We've seen that trend of making
1: things work in JavaScript. The the uh, <laughs> one we talked about, the old time games a few podcasts ago, where yes. they had the virtual box. That's a great example of the trend for apps being in JavaScript. Yes, it's... it's, um, it's it's kind of weird, but it's almost becoming a competitor to things like Java and .NET in that sense. Obviously, you don't, you don't have the performance there, but as computers get better, you're kind of blurring that line.
0: Yeah, and depending on what you're doing, you might not need that much performance. Exactly. So, and uh, like I, you know, there is apparently games in JavaScript, and they look fantastic. So, uh, you know, you might not even need to worry about performance at all. So, uh we have Backblaze, one of our favorite uh, backup awareness day partners. Uh well, maybe not partners, but friends, I guess. Uh they have uh started deploying st- their Storage Pod 4.5. Uh the uh, main difference with this is that uh with their 4.0 pods, they needed to uh, run a direct wire from the motherboard to all the drives, whereas all their previous generations had SATA backplanes. And, you know, this is essentially, you know, that you shove a bare hard drive into a server and like there's, you know, the power and the data ports back in that little slot. That's part of the backplane. So they uh, did this, I believe, because of supply issues that they needed to do a direct connect. But they have apparently figured out something else that will allow them to revert back to a backplane architecture. Um, so, you know, they pretty much, you know, go over, you know, like each part, uh, in each component. And, uh, you know, I, I was initially really surprised that they only, uh, put, uh, I3 processors in these. Um, but then I was thinking about a little bit more and what is it actually doing? Well, it's actually, you know, essentially encrypting, uh, you know, maybe not encrypting, I'm not sure where that happens, but essentially, you know, IO storage, you know? It's essentially passing data from drives to the network, and you don't really need that much performance for that, especially because these are consumer-grade hard drives. This is the
1: company that we were looking at a while back, that they had their hard drive uh, tests and things, and they were showing which drives did better for them. Is this the same company? Okay. Yes. I recognize
0: backblades i wasn't sure if it was the same one or not yes so you know, you know they have i'm not sure how many hundreds or thousands of drives uh running so so it, it would seem like going to the from the
1: uh what's it called the the we could just push the drive in and it has the connectors for the setup stuff in the back versus doing the wired thing it would seem like if they're doing a lot of swapping all the time that
0: would kind of become a pain yes so, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's the essentially, uh, they, uh, internally known as Storage Pod Classic. Comes from the fact that 4.5 is derived from our 3.0 chassis and design. Uh, returns to backplane based design, but incorporates upgrades that improve reliability and reduce cost. I'm pretty sure that's the main thing that reduces the cost for them. Is the fact that they don't have the, the SATA backplane? Uh, that they do have the backplane reduces the cost. Okay. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. And uh, maybe we should have mentioned this a little bit earlier with the Superfish, but uh, uh, a BitTorrent client, pretty much uh, one of the uh, more uh, popular ones, UTorrent or Microtorrent or whatever, because it has that little mu, I think it is, on the uh, front of it. Uh, UTorrent has been caught installing a Bitcoin miner by default. Uh, like it doesn't even, apparently does not even ask, uh, like during the install, hey, do you want to install this? Uh, it's called Epic Scale. And what it does is essentially it eats your CPU to mine bitcoins, uh, when you're not using it.
1: So this was really kind of a, a, a sneaky thing for them to do. It seemed like from the forum, people just noticed that their computer was using a lot more processing power and stuff, mm-hmm. and they just kind of snuck it in.
0: Yeah. So... Uh it's pretty evil of them to do this. Uh you know, not only you know does it not say, hey, we're installing this, but it actually mines bitcoins that do mm-hmm. not go to the user. And it's even on the CPU which is really inefficient. Be interesting to see how much they're making though,
1: because even though it's inefficient on the CPU, you figure how many people have UTorrent. That could be a whole lot of computer computers out there. And people, if you have uTorrent, you probably leave your computer running a lot. Like, if you're pirating stuff or something. Yeah. If you're one of those people, you probably leave your computer up all the time. And so that means that it's a lot of time when the computer's up and it's inactive. Yeah. So that could be a lot of mining. Yeah. And
0: this is especially bad for, like, laptops, like you know especially if it's it on a battery. a battery yeah that would kill the battery <laughs> so uh my advice is to uninstall it which i just did uh this afternoon and like i hadn't even run it for like mm, how how many months or so like i'm not sure what version i had but it was point two. and i'm like <gasps> but uh i went ahead and uninstalled it i'm clean and uh it was suggested to get a transmission and I was thinking, Transmission, well, that's the uh, Linux and Mac BitTorrent client. Well, apparently, there's a version for Windows 2. And uh, so I just installed that, and I noticed that it does not create a start menu shortcut. So you might need to work around that a little bit. So
1: my one thought I had uh, a little bit later on, I w- I'm sure it's not wasn't intended this way, but with Windows 8, you really don't have start menu things. And so, in a sense, it probably works in Windows 8. If you install it and type in the executable name, it probably
0: comes up. Maybe, but it's definitely not a Metro app. So, (laughs) I'm not sure where that falls. So, uh, the uh, 2015 Game Developers Conference took place this past week. Uh, So, here are some highlights. Uh, Kronos, uh, the Kronos group, the uh, people that do the OpenGL and the OpenCL and and a few other things... Uh, like it's standards organization, uh, have announced Vulkan. This is a low latency graphics API for desktop and mobile platforms. So, uh, Vulkan is considered, uh, or at least positioned to be the successor to OpenGL. And, uh, due to its low latency, uh, targets, uh, it competes with DirectX 12, uh, Mantle and Metal. So Mantle being uh, AMD's uh, thing and Metal being uh, like the iOS uh, okay. API. I,
1: I recognize the, the Mantle because we talked about that, how they were gearing it specifically for the their graphics cards, the AMD.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately, Mantle, like the public API still has not been released. Really? Like, I'm not sure what in the world's uh, going on there. But, I mean, with this, it's not really that exciting since, you know, Mantle is, you know, more or less platform specific. Uh, but yes. Vulkan is aimed to be, like, cross-platform, like, everywhere. Uh, Windows, Mac, Linux, uh, Android, maybe iOS, you know, like, everywhere. So,
1: so, what are they doing that's different from, like, what, say, OpenGL is doing today? Are they being somewhat like how Mantle was done and getting lower level with the graphics, even though it's still cross-graphics platforms?
0: Uh, I'm not sure as much about that, but uh, you know, like my advice is don't hold your breath because this has happened before. Uh, I remember, uh, I'm not sure, like maybe again 10 years ago, when OpenGL 3 was proposed and called Long's Peak, and it was still under development, at, and it was planned to be a, a backwards incompatible thing. But it eventually came out as a mere evolution, uh, with no big breaks. Uh, but perhaps by calling it, by calling it and doing something completely different from OpenGL, this might provide the necessary break for, you know, like something really good to come along. Um, I also remember, uh, like OpenGL ES2, uh, and that eventually morphed into WebGL, or at least WebGL was based on that. And it really cleans up the API, like, really a lot. Um, you know, it does a lot of sensible things. Uh, but uh, but unfortunately, that was not the uh, proper thing, you know, like, going forward. Uh, but now, since this is completely new, you know, like, there's, like, none of that old legacy baggage aimed to uh, come along with this. It's just supposed to be fast. That is one
1: thing, if you don't have the legacy background to it. If they do want it to be fast, that could be a good way to achieve it if you just kind of like wiping out the old stuff, even though it's going to be a lot of work for them.
0: So, you know, unfortunately, this is like still in uh, beta. So, like, uh, apparently, uh, drivers and applications do exist. And I believe that they were demoed at GDC. So, you know, this, you know, comes along with, uh, uh, you know, like, especially with the push into Linux. So,. You know, the uh, the support the demand rather for you know high performance apis that go across platforms is you know really evident now uh, so going on a little bit uh, unity 5 uh, unity engine 5 was released and now it's free for personal use So now, was this
1: the one that recently they released it and it was like a $20 subscription for a month or something?
0: No, no. Unity is like more of an independent, uh, you know, games engine, I guess. Okay. Um, You know, it was like sort of like the first to uh, go to the bottom of the barrel and commoditized uh, like game engines. So this was like sort of a precursor to that, I guess. So and, you know, from the stuff I've seen in Unity, it's not bad. You know, it's, it's really easy to get going, apparently. It's very user friendly. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, one other thing, uh, Unreal. Unreal 4.7 was recently released. And now it has pretty fully, foli- prettier foliage and export to WebGL. Uh, So, like, there's a whole bunch of uh, not only, uh, you know, instanced rendering, um, like, it optimized, like, a whole bunch of foliage on, like, a huge landscape, Uh, but it also, uh, uh, how should I say, improved the lighting on foliage, and, uh, you know, goes over, like, a whole bunch of, you know, editor improvements, and uh, you can also export to uh, WebGL also. Uh, but that's not the most important thing that happened with, uh, Unreal Engine 4. Oh, no. So, uh, this is what you remembered, uh, that they released it for like 20 bucks a month or something?
1: Oh, okay. So, th- so it says this one, the subscription access is free.
0: So, uh, yeah, they've released it all for free. And you can have all mm-hmm. of the foliage you want. So, uh, like they've, you know,. You know, eliminated this so you can even try it out on your own if you want to without even pay- paying them 20 bucks.
1: And then it says it's just going to be a 5% royalty yeah. gross income revenue after 3000 per title per quarter. So what that does is that means that some small guy can test the game, try it out, even make some money at it. And then unless it becomes
0: really big time then that would be when they get their their cut of the deal so uh like i remember uh with the uh past console generation if you can call it that that a whole bunch of stuff was made on unreal engine 3 uh like uh especially around like 2000 starting around 2006 and 7 uh like gears of war especially that was like all unreal engine 3 um so like the whole Gears of War series, that was all Unreal 3 and a whole bunch of other uh, guys got on that. Uh, you know, like Mass Effect, that was all Unreal 3, um, you know, pretty much every, uh, you know, shooter, <laughs> you know, from about 2007 to 2010 or so. Like there is a good chance that it was on Unreal 3. Uh, but since then, uh, like a lot of game companies have decided to make their own game engines. So that's sort of like been cutting into their uh, cutting into Epic's uh, profit. You know that's the company that actually made it. Uh, so, so they decided to improve it a little bit and make it available on completely redonculous terms. So
1: so I, I wonder though, looking at the big picture of big companies, what the deal was prior to it. For a big company, I don't care if I have to spend a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars even per user. You get something. What I care about is that probably that five percent royalty. Yeah. I don't know what their previous fee was, but that still could be quite a bit. So yeah. They may be catering more towards the small companies, perhaps. And you still may get big companies building their own engines if they're able to do that.
0: Right. Um. So I believe the the reason that uh, like everyone started using Unreal Three was because they had apparently reasonable terms for like colleges or something. Uh, So, like, now, like, they've pretty much commoditized it all. And, not to be left out, Valve has announced that the Source Engine 2 will be free. Uh, and apparently it's uh, just finishing up development. Along, and they've announced a whole bunch of other hardware goodies, like a VR headset and Link, uh, which is a streaming client console. Interesting. So... They uh, mentioned this This would be free for content developers. It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like the vaguest phrase ever. Well, it turns out that it is completely free, with the catch that all games using it must be sold on Steam. It's completely ridiculous, but totally reasonable. You know, it doesn't even have to be exclusively sold through Steam. What? So that all
1: games using it must... Oh, exclusively. So as long as they offer it on Steam, they can still sell it other places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's not too bad of a stipulation there.
0: So, you know, it's like what I suggested earlier with, uh, you know, the App Store model that, uh, you know, you create hardware and, like, the operating system for a device, and then it also comes with an App Store, and, like, Apple takes, like, 30%... Uh, uh thirty percent chunk of like all mm-hmm. sales from there, and I think that Steam also takes thirty percent out, uh, which you know it's sort of big, but you know that's you know what keeps it going.
1: Yeah, that that's true, and Steam is very popular these days. People like it; it works well. It's easy to find my games and, and get my games. I can only least download them to another computer, so, and so you're kind of paying for
0: that and you know let's face it if it's a pc game it's probably going to be on steam if it's a new pc game chances Uh are it's on steam unless 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 you're working for a company that goes by the name of electronic arts or ubisoft it's probably going to be on steam Okay, so let's go to appreciate a little bit. Uh, Putty. We all know Putty. You use that,
1: right? Yes, I I do use that from time to time to uh, remote into Linux servers to the terminal.
0: And uh, Putty is usually a good sign because you know it's usually the sign that I will like working at a place. If (laughs) I if I have to use Putty for something, generally it'll be pretty good. Um, like, I remember for, like, I don't know, two or three years, like, uh, Putty essentially stayed at, like, 0.60 or something. Uh, but uh, pretty recently, like, uh, on the February 28th, Putty 0.64 was released. So, and it apparently uh, patches up a few security holes. So, go ahead and get that right now. I was I was
1: looking at it. it didn't look like they really changed much else other there. There was a couple, I think they mentioned Diffie Hellman or something like that in there. Oh yeah, it was some sort of a a range with a Diffie Hellman check.
0: Looks like he had some feats here.
1: Yeah, I actually have quite a few stuff. The first one was I was working on redoing my church's website, so I did a a, a test test one. I, I installed a uh, Zoomla, which I haven't played with that before. I'm not even sure if I pronounced
0: that right. right uh, it looks like
1: Joomla. Joomla. It's it's popular or whatever it is. I've just never.
0: I've heard, heard it of in real life. I have heard of it. I'm not sure what it runs on. If it's like a WordPress thing or like a it's, Python.
1: It's like wordpress but more powerful it's kind of it's it uses php okay and uh it, it's used by a lot of bigger companies they use it yeah because it offers a lot more extensibility than wordpress so it has a lot of plugins and extensions and templates and stuff so i, I did that i found a decent template for, that was free and and tried plugging it in so i set up like a, a testing that's that's the test link there
0: yeah it looks yes. uh looks pretty good
1: Yeah, I'm still not sure if I like the way the pictures are tiled on the front page, but it it looks better than what we had before. If you you drop off the Zoom part and then see the old website, you'll see the old one. It looks like something from the 90s or something, or even earlier. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I made that one like my first year of college when I was just learning how to program. So definitely do for an upgrade.
0: So. Uh, I think you might want to change the font on this, but other than that, on the the new one, yeah. Let me look at it here again. Font, what what font would you suggest? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe something different. <laughs> okay, I
1: will have to play with that.
0: Yeah, um, good... you know about uh, Google Fonts, right? I know. I think you've talked about them before. I haven't really looked into them much. Yeah, it's uh, essentially like a whole bunch of free fonts that uh, Google has. Um, you know, it's essentially like a nice web interface with that. I feel like we've talked about them before. I have to you Google may, might have. It. So it uh, looks like you have something else here, too.
1: Oh, uh, yes. I've also been working on my, my muzzle litter build. It's a kit gun that I bought mm, years back. This was before I was even in college. I bought it. It had some incomplete pieces on it. And so recently, now that I actually have a job and some more money, I, I decided to buy the one of the missing pieces, which was the lock on it, the side lock on it. It's a flint lock. And so I, I bought that and started inletting it. So that's been my project lately. I've been working
0: on that. Lots of fun. Cool. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty nice when, when you come back to something. Uh, Like, for instance, just in the past couple of days, I've gone back to uh, play an old game that I stopped playing for some reason. Uh-huh. It is. That, that,
1: that was a project I put down for years and years and years. Basically, I didn't have the money when I was working on it to buy the lock. It was
0: just like, I didn't have money then. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, we have some podcast feedback from uh, Ryan, our uh, network resident uh, Snapdragon expert. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, he says, a KFC that serves tacos? What is that all about? Matt would eat neither a chicken wing nor popcorn chicken nor a taco. It's like, well, it's a KFC Taco Bell combo restaurant, but it's all dressed up like a KFC because the drinks are served in KFC cups. The food is served in KFC bags and on KFC trays, and every wall has the kernel. There isn't anything Taco Bell inside aside from the menu. It's true. I never really thought about that before, but it it is like that. And
1: then the outside has this sign, but then that it is all KFC.
0: Yeah, that's the one down in Cannonsburg. Uh-huh. There's another yep. KFC slash taco bell but mostly kfc uh up in robinson like maybe a mile or two away from my apartment
1: there's one in Katanning, which is the about 15 minute drive from where i'm at now and it's the same way combination kfc taco bell but it's all kfc i i can't actually remember what the inside looks like uh, if it's kfc or taco bell inside but it is a combination of the two yeah so that must happen a lot
0: uh, Ryan says, I wish I could filter my email reliably from two years ago, plus sign. There's There are things that I'd like to keep, but there is an insane amount of garbage mail. I loved being able to view Gtalk history back in the day. For instance, the first chat I ever had with Matt when he was typing with his nose. With Hangouts nice. now, who knows where any of that history has gone? And I believe it's still in your uh, Gmail account under chats. Try there. Uh, Ryan says... I have a fear of deleting data because once, once it's gone, it's not coming back, even if it is mostly pointless and useless to keep. I'm just too poor to back up, so I try to live data free. Uh, yeah, I know about that. Uh, you've said so on previous podcasts. Uh, of course you say that, but do you really mean it? Uh, have you re-downloaded all the podcasts from AWS recently? Lol. Now Ryan says, Swift. I would be impressed if they could get Swift to work on Android's JVM let alone any other non-Mac platform. I don't know if Swift is stable yet and might not even be stable inside of Apple until maybe this year's WWDC. Uh, CenturyLink charges us an internet recovery fee, 199. We took their internet now and they want us want to charge us to recover it. And I say, aha, your internet must have already been titled to because it already has all these fees attached to it. And I'm really surprised as hell that Verizon only charges me the advertised price for Fios. No fee or tax shenanigans. Also surprised that they don't advertise this fact unless they probably would charge fees if they could. Huh. Um, Ryan says, I imagine that most software that checks for updates uses HTTPS. If they do, they're probably using the built-in Windows certificates to do so. Uh, These updates are probably signed by certificates, though. Would this be concerned? It's like, well, if it's tunneled through a malevolent proxy, which we hear that everything was, then the answer is yes. Uh, but if it's signed by, uh, like some other certificates, um, not sure. I mean, if, if you could sign... Uh, using that, uh, superfish key, like, you know, some sort of a program update, then maybe. Uh, Ryan says the equation group is pretty impressive. Uh, Matt would be angry that his mail is being tampered with. Will it survive Matt grade hard drive wiping? 30 gun assault. <laughs> I-, I like that one. Like, well, I mean, considering what it is, uh, Matt grade wiping probably destroys the board. So you're probably fine if you do. Uh, Ryan says that Stuxnet traveled on the flash drives of people. Can you imagine how subtle an attack that is? You've just designed something physically complex, a nuclear purifier slash something, and then designed something software complex, uh, the program that controls it, and then what? 5K of invisible insanity comes out of nowhere and destroys everything you've worked on for two years? Uh, plunk? A ping is an initial contact. A pong is an initial response. A plunk is the noise that Hangouts makes. It's in the same vein as ping pong. So it would be ping pong plunk in response to your uh, uh, phone going off.
1: I I forget. It's been a while since we did that podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, Ryan would like to remind us that Steam is spyware. The chilling effects of Steam's closure would be worse than losing accessibility to the games you already own. And, uh, Ryan responds to, uh, your quandary. Uh, so Steven is looking for a podcast manager, eh? I use Beyond Pod. It's full, it's very full featured. I forget what kind of limitations the free version has, but the premium version only costs a few dollars and is definitely worth it automatic scheduled feed updates the option to download files or stream the episode preferred playback feed either for everything or on a feed-by-feed basis the list goes on and on they have chromecast support for crying out loud so i i I did give that one a try
1: and it i set it up for the extra dimension and it did seem like it worked so
0: looks like a nice one thanks that seems to be the uh network sanctioned client uh, so if you would like to uh, submit your own feedback to this show, please use the contact link on the thenex.tv, uh, particularly the link on the uh, show notes page. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up all your stuff. And even as a bonus, uh, I listened to the Web Ahead uh, podcast, uh, particular episode number 97 from last week, I think. Uh, where they had jason scott on uh jason scott is uh he works at the internet archive so like this is essentially an organization that goes around and downloads everything uh uh, their perhaps their most famous project is the wayback machine uh, which essentially you know has an archive of the web and like even my blog is on there too um so it just you know takes snapshots of you know web pages and even images and c s s and all that good stuff uh so you know it goes around and you know you know retains this you know for the future, so you can go back and look at what uh you know Google looked like you know you can see what Yahoo initially looked like, you know stuff like that
1: that's good too like if a site goes offline or something you can still find it and and see stuff.
0: And uh, Jason Scott here, he, uh, you know, talked about, you know, like, when certain, you know, like, services goes down. Uh, like, uh, I believe the one he talked about was Posterous, which is, like, a image hosting uh, site. And he uh, goes on about how he uh, had to, uh, you know, like, really go after the people that ran this thing. You know, like, you need to help me out and do this. Um, and then he, uh, you know... Uh, I believe it was like almost towards the end there that, uh, you know, he he was berating like some startup to have some sort of an export feature. And, you know, he's like, no, no, no. That's the time you need to bug someone about having an export feature, you know, like in the beginning. And uh, he recalls like some sort of uh, conversation he had with one of the uh, key engineers, you know, like someone who had become like a vice president or something. And like really, you know, getting on his case about this, you know, he's saying something like, yeah, we've heard this really important feature to some people, (laughs) like we hear them, uh, but you know, it's really hard. And he says, like, okay, well, I'm going to replace export with the word backup, you know, because it's essentially the same thing. It's like, so, you know, we know backups are really hard. Uh, Like we've heard from people, you know, we really need to have backups and we're thinking about the next quarter we'd have backups. Realize that, you know, that might get someone fired, right? (laughs) When you don't have backups.
1: Yeah, backups are kind of important.
0: So, you know, it's... I've even, uh, you know, had a feature like that on my blog for quite a long time. Uh, So, you know, I just go into a page. It downloads everything to a zip file. You know, like all the images, you know, are in like a content folder. The articles and the comments are in RSS feeds. So, and I can do that in reverse, you know, I can, you know, send that file back up there, that zip file back up there, and it will restore everything. So do you have a, a test server someplace where you push your backups to sometimes to test them? Um, see, I usually do that to, dem- to into my development environment. Okay. So, and, you know, that's, you know, that's a export-import feature is how I updated all the images on my blog once I shoved them through MozJPEG. So I oh, didn't that, have to... that
1: would work really nice then, so that wouldn't be a pain to do at all. You just yeah, like run did... them all through and just push it up and it's just there. Exactly. Nice.
0: Yeah. Like I didn't have to do them one by one or by yeah. hand or something. Just, nope, nope. Extract the zip, replace files, put them back in, upload. So Very nice. Hi, Mom. How are you doing? Uh, apparently, there's a bunch of snow and ice. Uh, be careful. So, uh, aside from that, so uh, I was thinking about maybe getting some pizza tonight. So. Um, yeah, meanwhile, I, Chris will probably be coming over again soon, so, uh, we can probably finish up Portal or something. There you go. Yeah, he's, uh, like, really getting into that now. Um, so, like, uh, he apparently, uh, got a- he was watching a video where it included something about Smooth Jazz. If you- if you played Portal 2, if you recall that one level, it's like, Smooth Jazz will be deployed. And, you know, he had seen this video, and then he actually played the game. Uh Uh-huh. And then, like, once he, you know, actually played the game, he just lost it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because he he recognized that spot?
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) So, and, uh, he's, I think he's really digging the uh, dark humor. Uh, like, especially in the first one. Like I remember the uh, the line, you know, it's like the uh, the testing is coming to an end. Uh, let's see, when the testing finishes, you will be baked, and then there will be cake. <laughs> He's like, "What? I will <laughs> be baked? What does that mean?"
1: He he sounds very entertaining to watch play Portal. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, I just have to restrain myself. It's like, "No, you're supposed to put it over there." <laughs> so, but in the second one, you know, it's. It's kind of hard to, uh, you know, get around because, like, there's like so many places where you can't put a portal, uh, but there's like only this one little spot where you can. So it's, like, more like a fine, like, where's Waldo type of deal. See, I've mainly
1: only played the second one. I played the first one a tiny bit, but not much. I actually owned the second one first, which is kind of why. And so to me, it's more normal being able to put it in every, any, just in the small spots, like you said, instead of everywhere.
0: Yeah, and, uh, like, I mentioned to him about the first one. ...that I kind of liked the level design in the first one... ...where, you know, it was just like this clean... ...kind of bright environment... Uh, ...and it was like really open... ...like you had space to think... ...you know, like there was like r- margin for error... ...you mm-hmm. know, it could tolerate that... ...and I remember... I, ...I'm i not sure which w- ones it was... ...it was like some sort of alternate... Uh, uh, ...map pack or something... Uh, ...where it was like supposedly set before... ...they turned on GLaDOS... Uh, but, I remember going through this, and, like, these were, like, really claustrophobic (laughs) chambers. Like, really small, you know, you know, there wasn't, like, when you were going down a hall in, like, the original portal, you know, there was, like, it was pretty big, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Whereas this, you know, map pack, it was, like, maybe four foot wide, like, you know, it was pretty small. Yes. And... Like, uh, like, I'm trying to go through this, and, like, I had to look up a guide for it, and it's like, you see this, like, this one tile that's, like, partly broken? You need to shoot a portal through there, like, and you need to shoot it from this position and crouched. And I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. This is too hard. (laughs) This is not what portal should be like. Yeah, the crouching was a tiny bit excessive. I, I can see maybe a broken
1: tile. If you have to crouch, too, that, that, that yeah. adds a level of hard to it that might yeah, be and, too painful.
0: And, like, the space that you have to shoot through is, like, maybe the size of a keyboard. It's, like, uh-huh. really small and, like, not obvious. It's, like, what's obvious to me is this is the end of the hallway. <laughs> so... <sighs> yeah, anyways, uh, Portal is good, uh, Portal 2 is also pretty good, and, uh, I fully recommend them. Um, except for Portal 2, the, uh, additional characters, I really hate Wheatley. I'm just gonna say it, I hate him, you know, like I'm just trying to figure out this this you know room here, and he goes, blah blah blah, it's like, oh, I'm so British and I'm such a retard, and like we need to take over. it's like, yeah, shut up, like I'm trying to think here <laughs> I think that's the intention of that character is to be annoying, so but uh, apparently a lot of people like him for some reason. I can't <laughs> for the life of me figure out why I don't know. Uh, anyways, I believe I will stop my ranting about that. Uh, any, uh, plans on your side?
1: Well, I've got to go eat supper here soon, just as you're, you said your, your pizza, so pretty much that's it. Maybe oh. next week I'll work on my gun some more.
0: Yeah, you are going to be down here pretty soon? I'm thinking next Friday should be a time when I'm be down. Don't cool. know for sure yet, but I think cool. so.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can do something
0: then. Yeah, we uh, ended up not doing anything because of uh, Chris being sick, so. All right, so I guess we'll talk or see you later somewhere. Okay. Bye. Have a good one.